This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, where we preview and review all the big business and market stories of the day with Oanda senior market analysts from around the world. And today, it is Jeff Halley in Singapore. Good morning from London, Jeff. Good afternoon from Singapore. We've just had the latest UK inflation numbers falling to 0.4% in February. That is down from 0.7% in January. That is apparently down to the cost of clothes, secondhand cars, games, toys going down. On the other side of the coin, there were some higher fuel costs. Was this uh, within market expectations, this number? It's actually come in uh, quite a bit lower than market expectations. And I suspect it's due to the lockdowns that we saw uh, through February uh, depressing uh, uh, demand for, for goods. Obviously, not many people are going to be going out buying second-hand cars if uh, they're all locked up in their houses and can't go out. So I would expect this to be a transitory number, uh, and we should see an improvement going forward. I do note that uh, we did see uh, one sub-index of it rise, which was energy, as uh, oil, oil prices have increased. So I would expect this number, as the economy reopens, to improve. But what it should do is take the pressure or, the, or quell the noises um, for the Bank of England to start looking at uh, moving rates higher anytime soon. On the periphery, it's probably a gentle negative uh, for sterling, which has been under pressure over the last few days anyway. But that's mostly due to this um, spat they're having, this uh, vaccine spat they're having over the AstraZeneca uh, export controls from the EU. I'll ask you a bit more about the vaccination debacle in a moment, but I just wanted to ask you quickly about oil, which has made a bit of a recovery today. You mentioned it just now when we talked about UK inflation, but is that recovery mainly down to those problems in the Suez Canal? Yeah, I I think, uh, well, for a start, the oil, the scale of the oil fall last night was sort of down about six or seven percent, depending on whether it's WTI or Brent crude. We have seen some profit taking coming in today, which is usual after a large uh, unidirectional move in New York overnight. But definitely the uh, blockage of the uh, Suez Canal by that, uh, and it's, I think, like one of the largest uh, container ships in the world. So it's a very, very big ship. Uh, And the blockage of that, I believe, is having some impact on oil prices because it does have the potential to disrupt uh, deliveries from the Middle East through to uh, particularly Europe uh, in, in, in the short term. So I, I think oil's found some solace there. We can see prices are up 2% this morning. What about the markets generally where you are in Asia Pacific? It's a funny old day, really. Uh, it's been a real north-south divide again. We've seen uh, Japan, Chinese uh, mainland, the Hang Seng, to a lesser extent, the Kospi, all have uh, pretty average days. Uh, China was down nearly 2%. Uh, Hong Kong uh, was down just over 2%. And the, and, and the Nikkei also suffered as well. So, but when you look at the ASEAN countries, such as uh, Singapore, those in the south of uh, Asia, they've had uh, reasonably flat days to small down. And uh, Australia actually managed to even uh, post a, a slight uh, positive day. I think this is very much, again, a case of when sentiment starts turning for the worse, and it has because there's nerves around the resurgence of COVID-19 in Europe and also in India and some other places. Uh, 
we do tend to see this manifest itself in uh, country, in, in markets that were the real outperformers in uh, in 2020. Those tech heavy, uh, high tech manufacturing style um, uh, economies. So you're talking China, you're talking South Korea, you're talking Japan. Whereas the more cyclical economies, uh, which have a much more uh, much higher beta to the global recovery, such as Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, Jakarta, have actually held up fairly well. Also, we have to realise that uh, markets such as uh, Japan and China, for example, Hong Kong, are very much dominated by retail flows, and that money tends to be quite easy to panic, and you do tend to see quite herd-like behaviour from them. You mentioned that sterling is in the doldrums a bit, and that's mainly at the moment, you say, because of the continuing concerns about the vaccinations uh, rollout going so well in the UK and, let's be fair, in the USA as well. But this spat with the EU is nothing more than extraordinary. I really cannot understand what the EU are up to at the moment. On the one hand, they're questioning the efficacy of the AstraZeneca jab as well as the safety of it. On the other hand, they're saying they're blocking any exports of that particular vaccination. It is quite extraordinary. Yes, I don't know if the European Union is actually winning many friends around the world because they did block a shipment to Australia recently as well uh, that had been manufactured in Italy. I I think to a certain extent there's a bit of uh, covering their tracks going on uh, because they were slow to negotiate uh, contracts initially and those contracts were worded in such a way that AstraZeneca doesn't appear to have been held uh, accountable in black and white to, de- to deliver a fixed number of vaccines by a fixed date as opposed to the UK ones. However, you cut it though, if the uh, EU does start blocking uh, vaccinations or, or, or shots from uh, the continent to the UK, that could slow down what has been up to now a very successful vaccination program in the United Kingdom that would potentially slow the pace of the UK recovery or even fully uh, delay it. And that has been a negative for UK markets. That's been manifested most obviously through the British pound, which has fallen quite uh, quite hard over the last couple of sessions because of it. Uh, but also the euro is under pressure because COVID-19 is surging again uh, across France, Spain, Italy, Uh, Germany in particular, and other countries in the block, and it's this more contagious variant. Uh, And and that's weighing on sentiment there. We've seen extensions of lockdowns in Germany. We're seeing new lockdowns again in uh, in France and other places. So uh, both the uh, the euro and the sterling are, are reasonably unloved at the moment. And how much of this is political rather than anything to do with health, safety or the economy, Jeff? EU frustration with AstraZeneca has been boiling for months now. Uh, Whatever protestations you hear in Brussels to the contrary, there's been certain political spillage into EU attitudes towards the the UK. And and as we were saying earlier uh, in the week, AstraZeneca denies it's failing to honour its contract with the EU. It says the contract commits the company to making, quote unquote, the best reasonable efforts, which it says it is doing. And there are production challenges. What what we need is for everybody to grow up, right, start again and work out a programme that suits both sides. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's somewhat ironic because uh, I believe that uh, the European Union has huge shipments of the Pfizer vaccine uh, due in the second quarter anyway, and we are nearly in the second quarter. So the EU's vaccination program was due to pick up massively in this quarter anyway, and I have no doubt that, that, that they will get there. So their actual need for the AstraZeneca vaccine will diminish uh, technically over time anyway. If, if, if people don't want to take that AstraZeneca vaccine or it's not available, there will be other ones available within the European Union for, for people to take. Uh, so the whole thing seems a, a bit strange to me looking from the outside in. I know I've got a feeling that even after COVID-19, if we continue down this path, relations with the EU, with a number of countries around the world are going to be quite fraught. And I, I believe that would weigh, that will weigh also on, on European assets. Certainly the EU's uh, slowness in getting its campaign going means that it will recover quite a long time later than the UK, the US, and of course, Asia. Okay, we're uh, approaching the final days of this quarter, Jeff. What should we expect for the rest of the week? When you look back at this first quarter uh, of 2021, uh, it's, it's certainly been dramatic. Yeah, it has. And I think the real story here has been the emergence of inflation uh, and the market repricing that new environment that's manifested itself in higher bond yields around the world, not just in the US. We read about the US all the time, but it's manifested itself everywhere. That's led to US dollar strength. Now, the world spent all of 2020 selling the US dollar. And so there is still a lot of structural short positions out there. I believe that we will see the return of the bond taper tantrum again in the US, i.e. we will see US yields rise again. That could be as early as next week, most particularly because this $3 trillion infrastructure package, that was another pillar of the Biden, uh, Biden presidential uh, campaign, looks like it's moving into um, a closer reality, i.e. proposals are being put in front of the uh, president this week and we should get more visibility on it next week. That's a lot of money that the, uh, the US government's going to have to raise, either by taxes, but also there'll be a huge debt component on it. That's definitely going to put upward pressure back on yields. So I suspect that we've got more to run with both the yield story and the strong US dollar story as we move into quarter two. And I think that will really dominate proceedings. The second one will be, of course, how quickly the European Union, the European Union gets its act together on its vaccination campaign because that could leave our European assets in Q2 underperforming. Okay, Jeff Halley in Singapore, thanks for joining us this morning. A pleasure. This is the Oanda Podcast.